Welcome to the Fearless Business Podcast, sharing with you the business behind running a business. We're your hosts, Jamie Lieberman and Mary Clavier. Each week, we'll be bringing you great guests, insights from our experiences, and a behind-the-scenes look at all the topics you may be afraid to tackle in your business, but shouldn't be. So sit back, get comfy, and let's get started. Welcome to episode 78 of the Fearless Business Podcast. This is Jamie, and I'm actually sitting here all by myself because Mary is off on vacation to an amazing and fabulous vacation in Europe. So needless to say, I'm very jealous. And if I could insert an emoji, it would be the crying eye emoji because I'm very sad and lonely. The only person I have to keep me company is Don. I even asked Don if he'd appear on this podcast, and he told me I couldn't afford him which made me laugh and cry at the same time because he is probably right. So I thought about what I wanted to talk about in doing my first solo episode of a podcast. So I'm honestly a little bit nervous because I've never done this before. I've been reflecting a lot on the last episode where I interviewed Nikki about lots of really cool HR issues. And I realized that I've been in business for a few years now and have actually learned a whole bunch of lessons about building a team. And I thought it might be kind of cool if I could reflect on the last podcast episode, what I learned from Nikki, and also some of the other lessons that I've learned in building a team over the last few years. So the first thing that I learned and was pretty amazing and eye-opening, and when I think about it, I'm almost surprised and a little embarrassed I never thought about it sooner, was when you're communicating with your staff, particularly if you have a virtual team like I do, before I jump into those lessons, I feel like I should give a little bit of a background. So most of you know that I run Hashtag Legal and I have a completely virtual team with employees that are all over the place. Thankfully, we're all in the same time zone, but I have employees from New York and Florida, some in New Jersey. So I have to spend not only a lot of time thinking about how to manage them, but also how to manage a virtual staff of lots of different types of employees because I have an operations director, I have attorneys, I have a paralegal, and I have a marketing manager. And they all do different things and they are all completely different people. Not only do I have to think about how to manage the staff, and they are unbelievably awesome women, but they all think and communicate differently, but also how to make sure that we keep a team together virtually because they're all over the place with different schedules. So the first thing that I learned from Nikki and that I thought was, I was like kicking myself after she said it was asking my staff how they like to communicate. It seemed like the most simple thing in the world. I know how I like to communicate and I tend to be a person who likes to be on the phone. I also do really like communicating through Slack Messenger. I think it's a really good tool. But some of my staff don't like talking on the phone. Some of my staff actually wanted to talk over Zoom. Some wanted regularly scheduled calls. Others didn't care at all. So it was just really interesting for me to step back and actually ask them (laughs) what their preferences were versus what my preferences were, because it's really important to helping someone feel a vital part of the team to make them feel heard. That is my first piece of advice. Ask your staff what they want. (laughs) And I think I do that on a pretty regular basis, but there are certain instances where I think I can be better about that. For example, right now we're putting together some really cool hashtag legal swag, which I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty excited about. And I asked them, you know, what would you guys want uh, with hashtag legal on it? Would you be interested in even having anything on it? And we had such varying requests, although my favorite request was the wine tumbler, which we're totally going to do. 
And so it was neat to find out what they would be excited about getting and make them feel a big part of the team. Um, Another was asking if they wanted business cards. You know, not many of them travel the way that I do, but if they wanted it, I was happy to provide it. We're even giving them open access to just order whatever they wanted from Amazon for office supplies, which I'm an office supply junkie. So I felt like that'd be pretty amazing. So asking your staff what they want, it goes a long way, I think, to making people feeling part of the team. So another really important lesson that I've learned in building my team is don't wait too long to build your team. My first hire was my director of operations, Bree, and I probably waited a year too long to hire her. Part of it was fear. Part of it was the unknown. Part of it was, I don't even want to think about having an employee. And it really hindered my business. Bree has brought so much value to my business in terms of processes, keeping me on track. I mean, she's truly like my right hand that I can't imagine life without her. And I'm really mad at myself that I waited as long as I did. So my piece of advice on this one is if you even think for a second you may need an employee, you probably waited too long. You should plan well in advance when you're starting your business that you are going to need staff, unless you're in a business where you don't want staff, and that's completely fine. You know, know what you can handle and what you can manage. But if you're thinking you're going to build to the point where you want or need staff, then I think it's really important to plan for that well in advance so that you know the time is right, because it takes a few months, sometimes longer, to find the right person. Which goes into my next piece of advice, which is when you're hiring, make sure you work with someone, if you can't do this yourself, who can write a killer job description and who builds in these mini tests into the job description, which is amazing for weeding out a person who may not be a good fit. When we were hiring, we asked people to put a very specific subject line in the first email that they sent to us. And anyone who didn't follow those instructions was immediately taken out of the running. Because in my practice, attention to detail is critical. And if you can't even follow instructions to apply for a job, I can't imagine what the attention to detail would look like when you actually got the job and are doing it. Working with someone or doing it yourself to have a really clear job description, which means you need to do a little bit of planning by making sure that you know exactly who and what you're looking for. When you try someone out, and I did this, I tried everybody out that I work with on a trial basis. I thought it was really important because I, as a person who runs a virtual team, I don't actually get to meet the person that is going to be working for us in person. In fact, my latest hire Actually, my two latest hires, my associate Elizabeth and my marketing manager, Laura, we've still not met in person. And so for me, it was important that we did a trial run to make sure that we worked well together, that our communication styles vibed, and that they were able to do the tasks that I needed them to do. And then once I knew that, and I can tell that pretty quickly, I actually didn't even wait through the trial period. I hired them on long before that ended and and just got them on board because I knew they were the right fit which leads into my next tip, which is knowing when to let someone go. I This is a, a tough one. And I actually just had some pretty tough calls with a client who had to let the first person on her staff go. It's emotional. It's painful. But you can't keep someone on just because you're afraid of what's going to happen when you let them go. I, as many of you know, my old partner, Danielle, left my practice and I really, really, really needed help. And so I hired a bunch of contractors on and there was one that I really wanted to work out. Like I was sort of willing it to work out and it wasn't. I knew almost immediately and I really had to like, I had to bring it deep and get her on the phone really, really fast and just say very kindly, but clearly if this isn't working out, it isn't quite what I need. And I I don't think it's a fit for you as well. 
And I let it go really fast. And it was a, such a benefit because if I would have had her get deeper and deeper into the work, it would have been harder and harder for her to come out of it and for me to let her go and find someone else. The last piece of advice that I have, and I think this is a tough one for a lot of us because we think that we're mind readers, right? Is being clear in your communications, making sure that you are giving really clear direction. I tend to be someone who has this like long stream of consciousness, which I know will just be such a surprise for everybody out there. But I just sort of type and type and type and I leave messages and all of those things. And sometimes I think to myself, wow, that was not clear. So I force myself to step back, reread it, make sure that I've given really clear instructions. And I will ask, have I been clear? Does this make sense? Uh, Because I know a lot of times that I'm not clear. And I don't just mean clear in your communication in terms of tasks, day-to-day tasks, but I also mean what your expectations are. So for example, my staff is completely virtual and flexible, like I've mentioned, but I do have the expectation that they will be around during normal business hours. If there's an exception to that, they just have to tell me. So I don't require them to request specific time off. We actually have, we don't have any specific amount of paid time off because I trust my staff. And so I believe that they're there for me. And I know that they know how much I rely on them. So if somebody, you know, needs to go to a doctor's appointment, or if they need to go to their child's school, or they want to take a half a day for themselves, which I think is really important, I just ask them to tell me. And so my expectations are clear that I will be flexible with you, but you have to also give me the same respect of me knowing when you're going to be there and when you're not. So we have a big group calendar and everybody puts in when they're taking time off. I keep track of it just because I need to for record keeping purposes, but everybody gets paid for it. It's really important to me that that my staff feels in control of their schedule. And in doing so, we have a really good trust relationship. And so trust is the other key component. You have to feel like that you trust your staff and your staff has to feel like they trust you. My staff pushes back on me. They tell me when I've made a mistake and I love it. I think it's really, really great. They tell me when things aren't clear. For a long time, I, I'm i a person who works late at night. I tend to stay up really late and I will work till one o'clock in the morning. And since we use Slack as our primary messaging, I was messaging my staff late at night and it never occurred to me. I said to them, hey guys, don't worry about it. Like you can just ignore it, snooze your notifications. But it was stressing them out and I felt awful about it because I it just didn't occur to me that even though I told them to ignore it, it's really hard to ignore when your boss is sending you messages at 10 o'clock at night, particularly in this day and age when we're so connected on our phones, computers, whatever the case may be. Um, so I'm really cognizant. I don't slack after a certain amount of time. And if I need to get something to my staff, because I, you know, I do work, so I do need to give direction. I, uh, I send an email instead. That way, when they wake up in the morning, they can check the email. They know I didn't expect them to respond. I know I'm not going to forget to send it because I, if I don't send things when they come onto my brain, I will lose them. That's where they're a little bit more understanding with me that they know that I need to send those late at night because part of my schedule is that I stop working usually around 5.30 so I can spend a few hours with my kids before they go to bed and then I go back to work. So really, I think a lot of these lessons are ones that feel intuitive. Um, They feel like, oh, I completely should have known that. But when you're in the weeds and when you're trying to get your work done and you're growing your business and you're hiring new people, I think a lot of times you can get 
lost in remembering that as someone who is an owner of a business or managing people, that half your job can be management. Since I've grown my staff, my role has changed so much as someone who owns and runs my own company. I'm not doing a lot of the day-to-day legal work anymore. I have staff to do that. A lot of the more operational stuff, I have someone who does that. And so my focus is on managing my team and growing my business and business development, which is a completely different description that I would have given a few years ago. And I love it, but knowing that that is what my job is, it's important to me that my staff feels valued. Um, And so in doing so, to go back to the very beginning, I asked them not only the little things that we talked about, that I talked about, um, but I also asked them for the big stuff. You know, are there any classes that you want to take? Is there anything that we could do to help teach you? My paralegal, we sent her to an intellectual property trademark class so she could learn all the terminology and feel more comfortable in helping out with trademarks. Um, And I know that made her feel really good. And it gave her a skill that would not only help her, but also help us. And so those are the types of things you should carve out in your schedule to make sure that you have those meetings set with your staff, that you're not just sending them things that they have to do, but also learning more about them. So those are my big lessons. Um, I don't think that they're necessarily anything that... um, you couldn't figure out on your own, but maybe this podcast can help save somebody from some of the kind of goofy mistakes that I've made along the way. And I'm sure I'll make some more along the way. Now we've talked about all the really happy, positive stuff. And here's kind of the scary part. You do all these things, you grow your staff. What happens if someone leaves? Or are you doing all these great things for somebody? um, And then they turn around and take all those great skills you've taught them and gone on to do something else. You know, in my opinion, The first thing is you can't avoid that. People don't work for the same companies the way, you know, for their full lifetime, the way that they used to. And so I think you have to always plan knowing that your staff, someone on your staff could leave at any time. I had an associate attorney that worked for me. I absolutely loved working with her. Her husband was in the military and he was deployed to Germany. And so she was not able to continue working for us. It was really tough. It happened pretty quickly. Um, and so you just always have to be prepared that someone may leave. However, if you are doing a lot of the things that I talked about, your stuff's not going to want to leave because you've provided what they need and you've asked them, what do you need and how can I give that to you? And those intangibles are the things that keep people working for companies. The reason I started my own law firm was solely because I wanted autonomy and because I wanted control over my own schedule. That's what was the most important thing to me. And so if I would have had that at some of my other jobs, I may never have left them. The intangibles, the money is obviously good. Make sure you're paying competitively. But really, the thing that keeps people sitting and staying loyal and feeling good about where they're working is the intangibles that you can give to someone. And that's letting people feel heard, making sure that you have an understanding of who your staff is and what they want. Um, That's the key critical role. And even if you do all of that, people are going to leave. And it's okay. If you've done it right, they'll give you lots of notice so that you'll uh, make sure that you'll be able to find somebody and you'll be able to replace them, as hard as that sounds. So I hope everybody enjoyed my first solo episode. I kind of found it fun because clearly I like to talk, Um, but I'd love to hear from you guys in the HQ, uh, in the Fearless Business Podcast HQ. It's our private Facebook group. If you're not a member, please check it out. 
Um, I'd love to hear if you liked the solo episode, if you want to hear more solo episodes, if you're sick of hearing me talk, if you want us to drop episodes more than every other week. Um, we'd love some feedback. I'd love to hear more topics. I can talk about legal topics too. Um, maybe I'll do some of those as well. Maybe I'll do a talk about negotiation, some of the other things I see in my practice. But until then, I will see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening. We'd love it if you'd subscribe and share this podcast. Reviews are amazing too. Visit fearlessbusinesspodcast.com for more information. If you'd like to connect with Jamie, visit hashtag-legal.com. And if you'd like to connect with Mary, visit thetransitionscollective.com. Thanks so much and we'll see you next time. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.